0: Thanks for tuning in to this special episode of How's Things, a podcast from the David A. Howe Public Library, recorded right here in Wellsville, New York, and in marshall michigan because it's christmas it's the cozy bros christmas number four and i'm here with my pal bo hutchings bo welcome back
1: hey merry christmas
0: merry christmas to you how's it going are you feeling festive
1: i'm i'm feeling very festive and i'm surprised this is only our fourth
0: well it's the fourth unhoused things but you and me and eric did two and then you did right. one you did one where we didn't talk about a christmas book we just talked about favorite christmas things so this is your seventh consecutive year
1: Okay, that makes sense then.
0: Yeah, seven years. Can you believe it?
1: No, I can't. And that is okay. a tricky title, "Cozy Bros," because my name is
0: Bo, so I I would think you were going to say it like, "Cozy Bo," "Cozy Bro "Cozy Bo," "Cozy Bo," bro. Yeah, yeah. And now, longtime listeners might remember this, but for those of you who don't, Bo and I did meet in a Christmas musical, uh, and that's the musical "Mimi me and Saint Louis," where I played John Truitt, and Bo, you were remind me, Sydney Purvis. Sydney Purvis, that's right. And halfway through the production, Bo vanished and went to Alaska, and then he came back. Uh, and then we did uh, Fiddler on the Roof together. Boom. Yeah.
1: What a trajectory. I know. We did Fiddler after Meet Me in St. Louis, is that right? We or did, did we yeah, before?
0: we did. No, it was okay. like right after. Yeah.
1: We didn't know each other that well during Meet Me in St. Louis because I took off midway yeah. during the process, three weeks in yeah. southern Alaska. Came yeah. back, I had I was doing music rehearsals in the van in Alaska. Mm-hmm. So I was prepared to jump right in. Yeah. And then we moment just, I think it was pretty organic. It was after, was it after act one closer? Or was it after act?
0: I very poorly sang you are for loving. And then uh, you guys walked on and, and we oh, crossed. Even- we sh- we shook hands. Listen, that show uh, had me in tears, and that's not even an exaggeration because the music was so high, and I couldn't. I might be able to do it now, but at that point in my life, seventeen, I couldn't do it. So it was very you were stressful.
1: Really great, right? You acted the heck out of it. You. you danced the heck out of it. Thank you. I thought Thanks. you sounded great. I didn't know. I learned the music in a van in Alaska, so okay. I was just trying okay. to find my heart. So I didn't yeah. know what you said. I'm sorry no. you struggled. Locally, apparently,
0: I did. I really did, and we we changed some things around. I do feel like after all these, because we're what is that? I mean, we're we're going on like close to twenty five years in this thing called friendship that we have, and I do think it's kind of a shame that we never really got to act together. Yeah, we never really had like dialogue or anything like that.
1: Yeah, we never got to do a sort of two hander or something no. like that. What would be a good play for us now? That's not the Odd Couple because that's too obvious.
0: Uh, i mean the odd couple would be good i mean it would be good there's no question uh i don't know i don't know what is it good with the producers do you want to do the producers together
1: well that'd be a blast yeah actually yeah. that's a really good question
0: okay all right
1: uh stock and bloom yeah
0: yeah who's who's who who plays
1: i'm bloom
0: okay all right all right You I have to accept that. You. okay i'll be Bialystock. sure why not yeah. why not i'm a tapper baby That's true. I do know that. I do know that, Uh, just just from memory. Uh, Speaking of Gene Wilder movies, I just watched uh, Wonka with Timothy Chalamet, and boy, was that bad.
1: Oh, no, I was going to say.
0: So bad.
1: Did we need another Wonka story?
0: No. I would argue that we didn't really need the Johnny Depp one, but uh, Chalamet, no, I don't think we needed it. But...
1: And it's the origin story of Wonka, right? So yeah. Which again, it.
0: who who needs it? Who needs it?
1: But you did, what did you learn where the Oompa Loompas came from? Because if I'm, yeah, am did. I correct? That you
0: do. You're right. Hugh Hugh Grant is an Oompa Loompa, and we find a little bit about that. Yep.
1: Did we need that? Did we need Hugh no. Grant as an
0: Oompa? No, we didn't. We didn't. But but we got it. You know, this sounds an awful lot like a bookmark. So why don't we do it? Let's open up our books and see where our bookmarks are at. Book, 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 book. Did you uh, ever finish that Casey Wilson book? That's that's my first question.
1: I a couple, I brought out a couple recordings. I finally finished it. Yeah, I finished. You did it. 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 Yeah. Okay. But I, I am reading something now that I can actually bring to the table.
0: Okay, let me hear it.
1: Um. So I'm bring. I'm reading a book called Less by Andrew Sean Greer.
0: Yes. I remember that I it won that. the yeah, won the Pulitzer Prize, I'm pretty sure. In
1: 2018, it was written in 2017, won the Pulitzer Prize in 2018. It's about a man of a certain age, 50, he's turning 50 and um, kind of a uh, failed novelist, but uh, his long long-term nine-year partner who he just kind of split up with months prior is suddenly engaged. And he's invited to the wedding, so he decides instead of uh, RSVPing yes, he's going to RSVP yes to all these odd invitations that he'd been invited to in countries oh. such as Mexico, Italy, Germany, Morocco, India, and Japan. So he's going to go to these weird like forums where he's asked to talk about the one successful novel that he had. To kind of go you know on this weird yeah. tour around the world and do sort of a self-discovery but this book was given to me in such an interesting way i we before we got onto the podcast we were catching up and i talked to you about how i was in new york for two weeks in october yeah yeah i went on a date while i was there because i used to live there and every now and then oh. i like to go you know, just kind of meet new people and so yeah yeah I went a a lawyer that is 10 years my junior
0: junior yeah Yes.
1: Wow. Okay. talking. It was like, you know, I'm reading this book right now that I think you would find really interesting, and I was like, okay, I'm curious. And so he's like, you know, I want to buy you a copy before you leave, and I was like, okay. So anyway,
0: a few days got go by. I got- it sounds like this teen yeah. has got some game. I feel like.
1: Here, <laughs> you you're very generous. <laughs> um, I'm not disclosing how old I am, but that's No, but we
0: have said we've been friends for twenty-five years. So you could do some math probably. I could if I wanted to. I mean it's like I, your uh... birthday.
1: Oh yeah, in two days it is. Yeah. yeah.
0: Happy birthday, buddy. No, okay, I'm... sorry, sorry. So so a uh, so a young lawyer buys oh, you a copy of this book.
1: Didn't buy me a copy because a few days went by, I got busy, he got busy, I went I went to see some Broadway shows, catch up with some friends, and the day I was ready to leave he was like Hey, I wanted to give you that book. I didn't have time to buy you a copy, but can I meet you before you take off? And so he met me at the Dunkin' Donuts before I flew out of the city and gave me his copy of the book and wants me to FaceTime him when I'm done so we can have our own little book club
0: podcast. Oh,
1: this sounds pretty cute. It is cute. He checked in on me like last week and was like, "Hey, do you, do you want us to still get together and talk about the book or whatever?" And I was like, "Honestly, I'm a one book man, and right now I'm <laughs> focusing on this podcast I'm doing with my friend Nick. So can we, <laughs> can we revisit this in January when I can have the capacity to actually sit down with this book? It just oh. I, it takes me a while." To...
0: Yeah, but you got to keep that momentum going. You push it for too long, you never know. You know.
1: I know. But my priority was this podcast. Well, I appreciate
0: that. I do. I do appreciate that. I feel like we could make the story a little better if we don't say Dunkin' Donuts, you know, like say it was a pret or say just something else. Well, he, but I feel like
1: I know he sent me a picture and he sent me the coffee and he said, Can't walk by without thinking of you. Uh I don't know. No, that could be our that could be their new um their new campaign, Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Gay Roman historia. Uh.
0: Yeah, I think that's that sounds perfect. Uh, You can dazzle him by uh, telling him that there is a lesser-known sequel to that book. So,
1: lesser-known.
0: No, the second book is called "Less Is Lost."
1: So, did you read this?
0: No, I didn't, but I remember when it came out because it, you know, won the Pulitzer, and it's been on my list for a long time, and I haven't gotten around to it. And and you know, no twenty-something lawyers ever bought me a copy, so. You know,
1: <laughs> yeah, twenty something is more accurate by the way, okay,
0: all right <laughs> so so are you enjoying it the book
1: um I, I am, yeah, I started on the plane ride um back, and it, it it's like i I'm very curious as to why he said, I'm reading a book that I think you might be interested oh. in so far I'm hearing um it's a fifty year old man going through a middle aged man, crisis. yeah <laughs> is his issues was dating a much younger man in the book who then Mm. goes like, and he keeps saying this lawyer is like, keeps intimating that like he is an old soul. And so I'm like, are you the older guy? Am I the older? What's going on?
0: Interesting. So I'll have to get back. This is layered. This is layered. Could we, when you follow up with your book club, could I just mute my microphone and just sit here and listen? And then. I'm not
1: recording this conversation with this lawyer.
0: And then you and I, you and I could rehash exactly who's who in the book. We'll see. Yeah.
1: Yes, we'll see I, 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 might, okay. I might be willing to blast that because I'm, I'm very okay. curious about.
0: Um, okay.
1: break it down. I'll get back to you on
0: that.: This sounds good. This sounds good. Anyway. Uh, all right, well, I'm glad, I'm glad you're liking that. I just finished. I've been reading some Agatha Christie, not Agatha, whatever your book was last year. What was it? Ag- Agatha Krinsky? Agatha Krinsky) oh. Was your the 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 Latka murder or the the I can't remember I can't remember uh, what your Lotka. book was.
1: Nora, uh, yeah, it was Lot It was Lotka so, something.
0: Something about Latka. Anyway, I just finished Agatha Christie's Tommy and Tuppence series, which is kind of fun. She wrote it. The first book she wrote in like nineteen twenty-five, and the last one was the last book she ever wrote in the mid-seventies. So the series uh, is only five books, and it spans fifty years of of her writing career, which is kind of interesting because you see the characters at different stages in life. And you see Agatha Christie at different stages in her writing. Um, not so great at the end there. Uh, *Postern Posture and a Fate is her final book, and it's not great.
1: Is it always following the same uh, detective?
0: Well, this, the, the main characters in this are Tommy and Tuppence. Like, they're their own little thing. Her main recurring players are Miss Marple, Poirot, and then you have these smaller ones like Tommy and Tuppence and uh, like Sergeant Battle and things like that. Those are those are smaller series, but like Poirot and and Miss Marple probably have I don't know a good twenty books uh, to them.
1: Are they always the same age in these books?
0: No, that's the interesting thing about Tommy and Tuppence. Like. Um, uh, Miss Marple and Poirot do kind of stay the same, but Tommy and Tuppence start out like as teenagers. And in this last book, they're like 80, you know, so it really kind of follows. Yeah, it's it's unique. It's interesting. There was a book that I read called Christmas Cocoa and a Corpse by Maddie Day. And it was initially the book that I thought that we would talk about today, but I finished it. It just didn't give me enough. Didn't give me uh, enough. You your book? I changed my book. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Christmas cocoa in a corpse was kind of interesting. It was about this woman who owns a little coffee shop, and she did mixed up this um, Mexican hot chocolate. So it was like sort of a spicy hot chocolate recipe, and there was a whole thing about somebody was allergic to chocolate, so they didn't have it, and there was freezing over a walkway as the murder stuff was going on. But the characters just weren't interesting enough, uh, and so it was fine. It was it was a passable Christmas read, but I felt like I have time. I gotta find the right one, so I switched books, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, I'm also reading Archie's Christmas Wonderland because I can't have Christmas without Archie comics. So,
1: yeah, you're a big Archie head.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's it's what we call ourselves. You're exactly right. Uh, are you Are you watching anything good? Have you watched White Christmas yet? I know that's like an annual. That's Christmas Eve, right? You're at Christmas Eve.
1: Good memory. No, I haven't. I've yet to dive into any sort of holiday oeuvre. or what. You know what okay. I saw actually. Hey, that's a, that's kind of a lie so I did um <laughs> Marshall with a lot of the same characters that Nick and I grew up doing community theater with
0: of course yeah
1: and there were a few songs in this mu- uh, this review that were a little bit more obscure choices for a Christmas show which I thought was interesting and one of the songs that which I loved was a little bit more folksy and bluesy and I didn't know what it was from and it turns out it was from Emmett Otter you know that oh, series? sure yeah
0: it's a jim yeah. henson like the muppets yeah
1: it was in like 1980 or something like that yeah. and so we were at a cast party at Joan Saber's house
0: <laughs>
1: and back. i'm sure when i say that name
0: yeah it sure does
1: and born in marshall by having this like over-the-top christmas tree that is cut like each branch is covered with like um like 10 things of tinsel that she hand puts on it's like so it's fabulous and it was really yeah, I cool believe it. yeah room where it happened with the tree and we were there and the 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 guests were kind of filing out and it was just like a core five or six of us left and deb culver who directed and produced this production i was in she's the one who brought emmet otter to the review and she's like let's watch emmet otter so we all sat there and watched emmet otter and i loved it it was such a sweet um such a sweet movie great music by paul something i can't remember Uh,
0: probably paul williams paul williams did a lot of muppet stuff so
1: and it was um Nissa. So that, that, that's kind of become a new a holiday movie. Oh,
0: I, yeah. So when I was a kid and like watching that on TV and stuff, Kermit the Frog was in it. Like it started with, oh, was he? Okay. And then for a long time, like when when Disney and the Muppets kind of separated, the Kermit stuff wasn't part of it. And maybe they put it back in. But um there's a blooper reel for that. That's so funny. I don't know if you watched sure. that
1: if you told me about it I yeah need
0: to watch it. So you do have to watch the blooper reel there's a whole thing where they're trying to roll this drum and it keeps like running into the muppets and going in the wrong direction and they just keep like the muppets keep commenting on what's happening it's it's very funny so yeah that's a that's a good one
1: yeah what about you, you uh, yeah i
0: just watched one with uh, robbie amell and leighton mr called uh, xmas and it was about this uh this family who was like kind of close with their son's ex and when he says he can't come for christmas they invite the ex to come because she doesn't have family and uh, then he does come for christmas and now it's like oh my ex is here for christmas and it was so funny like it cracked me up my wife was like we gotta watch this every year really yeah
1: did you when did you say it was made
0: oh now it's new 2023
1: okay that's a good yeah that's a good suggestion i'll look into yeah. that for yeah and i wrap my since that's my other reason. i like to watch a new christmas thing when i wrap my presents
0: oh that's a good idea i also for uh here in the library on our on our show but have you tried um ali who's a teen librarian here suggested that i watch the princess switch with Vanessa hudgens so i did watch that but i didn't like it so <laughs> it does not something I, like I can't recommend it but I did watch a movie with Al Pacino and Greta Gerwig, and it was about an actor who's past his prime, going slowly insane. So
1: that sounds way more up your alley.
0: Yeah, so it was. (laughs) I finished it, and I was like, "Gosh, that was depressing." But uh, what a weird pairing, Greta Gerwig and Al Pacino. You know?
1: Yeah. What What was that movie called?
0: The Humbling.
1: No, I can't. I can't recall. But did you see Barbie?
0: no i didn't see barbie my wife went and then yeah so i was like i guess i have to go by myself or something and i just have i haven't watched it yet so
1: yeah well you should get to it before the awards i guess so
0: yeah she went it was like a they did like a sister thing she went with her two sisters and they went and saw it and everything and i you know i didn't get you too far away i don't have any friends local to go watch it with so what are you gonna do
1: guess what's coming oh what mean girls
0: Oh, uh, <laughs> I remember movie, watching yeah. that in theaters so clearly. Yeah.
1: With me, yeah. yeah. I know, first... I know.
0: We had a great time. I did see the uh, the tour of Mean Girls when it came to Shay's here in Buffalo, and it was really cool.
1: Did you like it?
0: Yeah, I did. I did. I really... It was... Um like the staging was so cool. Like their use of screens and like pulling different, it was a very like a technically impressive show. And I like the music too, but I thought just from a production standpoint, it was really interesting to see in that space.
1: Well, the um the movies that's coming out in January is the musical version of it. Obviously yeah. it's still, still in day, but it's interesting because like, I think most of the previews they've released don't show any singing or dancing. So no. it looks like a- yeah. And yeah. it's like, I wonder what that sort of um effect is is that because people are more willing to come to a regular movie than a movie musical but they're trying Mm -hmm. to surprise people i mean it's there's a lot of music well so this
0: i mean I i was not prepared for how much wonka was a musical like i assumed there'd be some music in it but it's like a musical and i don't think any of the trailers show that either
1: no, there's like a couple dance numbers that feel sort of My Fair Lady esque, like yeah. "Take Me to the church on Time." It's but sort yeah. of,
0: I don't know that this Wonka just felt so auto tuned. It just felt really like, what are we even doing at this point? You know, like I just don't
1: anything real in this movie.
0: I know, yeah. I you know who would I, I? We needed a Daniel Radcliffe as uh Wonka. That that would have worked. So he's busy. Yeah, I, I heard. Yeah. Uh, anything else on your watching list that you're enjoying at the moment i did I watch white lotus you recommended white lotus last time and i watched it what did you think i loved the first season and then we don't have hbo max right now so i haven't watched the second season but i love the first season
1: oh then i think you'll really love the second season because that's where it really yeah picks up. yeah that's not, i think so. that's what
0: you said you preferred the second like exponentially more so
1: yeah. I'm not, I don't think I'm into any series that are worth noting right now. I'm just watching okay. the reality trash. It's been so busy. So anything that I watch, I'm like in my Bravo reality shows right now. So I'm going yeah. to catch up.
0: Well, my friend Kendra has done a deep dive into Vanderpump Rules. She watched like all of it and there's a new season now, right? Isn't it like happening now? It's about to come out in January. January. Uh, okay. All right. All right. I
1: would love to talk Vanderpump Rules with her.
0: Oh, she, listen, I'm sure she's listening and I'm sure she's like, give him my number. I'm just going to wait for the text uh, to
1: come through. Let's get yeah. into the scandal ball, Kendra. I'm down with Oh my you gosh.
0: She, <laughs> this would be like music to her ears.
1: I was sitting, I was at a dance competition um, in Kentucky and I was sitting with my roommate before we went to the theater at, to, to start the show. And we were talking about Vanderpump Rules and the season, how good it was or whatever, da, da, da. And then all of a sudden, like five minutes later, I check my phone and I see that Tom cheated on Ariana with Raquel. Yeah. And no. Showed him our, our mouths dropped. And I was like, this is going to be huge. Yeah. Fair enough. What do yeah. we cut to now? You know, we have uh, Ariana on Dancing with the Stars uh, winning third place. Like it blew up. It was a big yeah. deal. Yeah. Do you, are you caught up yourself by, by Kendra's podcast? I...
0: I only hear bits and pieces of what uh, what Kendra says to me. Uh, so I feel like I do know, like I mostly know the shocking things. So, uh, you know, I, I know little bits of you it. You say Vanderpump Kendra. Rules <laughs> i like running. You... All right. Quick debrief on Vanderpump Rules, you guys. Right Go now. for it. And I'm just going to soak it all up.
2: How do you quickly debrief ten seasons of drama? I don't think you can.
1: (laughs) Kendra, did you what? What what caused you to do this breakdown of Vanderpump Rules?
2: Um, I just kept seeing like trailers for it on like Instagram and stuff, and I was like, I need to know what what this is. And so I was working from home at the time, and so I just (laughs) turned on season one and binged the whole thing.
1: You went all the way from season one to where we're at today.
2: I did, yes. And I I managed to not get, like, I didn't know anything about Skandaval or what happened. And I managed to keep it that way the whole time. So when I got to that last episode of season 10, I was just like, my brain has exploded.
1: Well, it's interesting, like, watching in that perspective is probably the right way to do it. But knowing, like... I, I I dipped in and out for all those beginning seasons, but knowing I was really invested in the season as it was airing, and then knowing watching the season with the lens of knowing that they were gaslighting Ariana this whole season into <laughs> thinking like, you know, everything's fine with your relationship, or maybe it's not so fine. You know, you're you're you know that the sex is bad, da da da. Like they're trying to convince Ariana to break up with Tom and watching them try to manipulate this person in, in that, yeah. with that lens was like this great uh TV. Well, the,
2: I'm, the <laughs> editing is so good. Cause they like, if you go back, they like pepper things in like Lala's like, you know, I saw Tom, but this person saw Tom out with this person doing this. And that's kind of weird. And then they just like, leave that and don't come back to it. And then it all like, hits the fan. well, like, the
1: editors like knowing that they have this footage too, are they just like tripping over each other to get to the library to be like, get to season three, you know, minute 12. We have that footage. Like how do they keep track of all I this no idea.
2: I have music? no idea, but it's the most garbage thing I've ever watched in my life and I cannot stop watching it and I cannot wait for season 11 to come out next month.
1: Yeah. Now you're so caught up. I'm excited for you. We'll have to, we'll have to catch up yes. during that season and like, well. <laughs>
0: It was so funny for me to like watch this happen on the sidelines because Kendra and I record 902 and here we go every week together. And when stuff was kind of starting to happen, uh, and Bo, you and I had talked about it in the last, I think the Pride Month episode we did, um, (laughs) Kendra was like, I think think I'm going to watch it. And then it was like... (laughs) <laughs> so yeah. fast that you are just like absorb like, all, all right, of this, I'm on and you were five.
2: like, "Yeah, yeah." yeah.
0: <laughs> was Kend- Kendra was like, "No one call me, no one interrupt." <laughs> <laughs> so I just like these quick little, yeah, they consume my life. It was yeah. my last like crown.
2: binge before I went yeah. back to yeah. a brick and mortar job. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good well, stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
1: you know, keep doing the good work <laughs> for us. Out there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. maybe yeah. Bo and I should just make our own spinoff podcast about. Vanderpump rules. Listen, I think this is-
0: I'm feeling the chemistry, and you, you've got one listener for sure. I'm, I'm here for
2: well, it. You know how Vanderpump
1: rules started. It was the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills season two or three, a conversation between Brandy Glanville and Sheena. And all of a sudden, the camera went from filming Brandy to Sheena walking back into the kitchen. And all of a yep. sudden, we're yep. in oh sheena that's kind of what you're wondering.
2: i go like i yeah. i like her and then i'm like shut up stop talking forever
1: <laughs> you watch her at the reunion this past season you watch yeah, the reunion yeah. obviously at the end of this season. Her and what drinking the white claw by herself and the in the like, because there was like uh what was it Us not a cease and desist but like some sort of court yes. order where raquel couldn't be that close <laughs> to Fina. To because Fina sheena, her when her, like, she
2: found out what years. happened had like slapped her (laughs) and so she got a restraining order and they had to keep them separate so stupid
0: (laughs) welcome to the dumpster yeah i'm waiting for the podcast i keep telling my
2: husband that uh he's gonna be watching season 11 with me and he keeps saying he's not but we'll see
0: I think it's going to happen. A, I think it's going to happen. You'll see his eyes
2: like to peek out to the I side
0: so. while
1: you're watching. He'll start to yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> now who's keep, that? He'll keep crossing in the back of the room and staying longer being like, wait a minute, wasn't she? Yeah. yeah I, I thought Dina was
2: with. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, Kendra, thank you for dropping everything to pop on and talk Vanderpump Rules with Bo because I'm giving him nothing. I don't know I was it. I in
2: the middle of something very important. I bet you so were. Were. I bet you, you should were. feel well, there's, no, more important than talking
1: about Vanderpump Rules. Let's
2: see. That's <laughs> right. Nothing. Nothing.
0: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All
2: right.
0: Bye guys. Bye. Bye, Kendra. All right. Let's look at a little book news.
2: Look into the future to see what it proves.
0: To for book news. I'm gonna pull up the New York Times bestseller list for December twenty-fourth, twenty twenty-three. All right. Uh, coming in at number thirteen is a book called The Housemaid by Frieda McFadden. I don't know if you've seen this one around. It's a blue cover and it's a woman looking through a keyhole. This has been the book. Of uh, 2023, I feel like this was one that we had a million holds on it. It was impossible to get a copy. Everybody was reading it. I finally read it and it was fine. It was just okay, is what I would say. But uh, I get the obsession. So that's number 13. But let's jump to number 10. Uh, 12 weeks on the list Holly by Stephen King. The private detective Holly Gibney investigates whether a married pair of octogenarian academics had anything to do with Bonnie Dahl's disappearance. How do you feel about Stephen King?
1: I keep finding myself wanting to touch down with misery
0: again oh yeah
1: let of Kathy kathy in that role pop up on my instagram and yeah falls uh, drag race where somebody imitated her and it's just okay
0: like, okay, okay. Yeah, all right was, yeah. okay uh number nine three weeks on the list alex cross must die by james patterson the 32nd book in the alex cross series when a jet is gunned down cross gets back into action so i guess he's been out of action i don't know Number eight, four weeks on the list. Oh, Michigan native Mitch Album, *The Little Liar*, the actions of an eleven-year-old boy helped facilitate the delivery of Jewish residents, including a family, to Auschwitz. You familiar with Mitch Album at all? He writes a lot for like the Detroit Free Press. He uh, he wrote the book *Tuesdays with Maury, which was like a huge, oh, like twenty years yes. ago. You know, was like a big, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a regular columnist for the Detroit Free Press, uh, but also a novelist, and his books are always a good time. Number seven, four weeks on the list, The Edge by David Baldacci. The second book in the 620-man series, Travis Devine investigates the murder of the CEI operative Jenny Silkwell in rural Maine. David Baldacci remains one of our most popular authors here, and I don't get it. Number six, 57 weeks on the list, Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. A scientist and single mother living in California in the 1960s becomes a star on a TV cooking show. This one's having a little bit of a resurgence because of the Brie Larson show on Apple at the moment. Number five, 25 Weeks on the List, Icebreaker by Hannah Grace. Anastasia might need the help of the captain of the college hockey team to get on the Olympic figure skating team. Whoa. Number four, eight Weeks on the List, The Exchange by John Grisham. In a sequel to The Firm, Mitch McDeer, who's now a partner at the world's largest law firm, gets caught up in a sinister plot. I'm reading this right now. I love me some John Grisham.
1: He wrote The Firm, right?
0: He wrote The Firm, and this is like a sequel to The Firm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I like the term. I, I'm into it. Okay, all right. That's good. Uh, number three, six weeks on the list. The Heaven and Earth Grocery Store by James McBride. Secrets held by the residents of a dilapidated neighborhood come to life when a skeleton is found in the bottom of a well. Interesting. Uh, boy, number two. Number two, five weeks on the list. Iron Flame by Rebecca Yaros. Second book in the Empyrean series. Violet Soaringales." next round of training might require her to betray the man she loves. And number one, 32 Weeks on the List, The Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. This is the first book in this series. Violet Sorengale is urged by the commanding general, who also is her mother, to become a candidate for the elite dragon riders. This is truly the book of 2023. Okay. It's fantasy. Yeah, it's fantasy. Uh, we have it digitally. There are a million holds on it. I've read it, um, and it gets a little spicy, let me tell you. Uh, fantasy here. I've read it. It's pretty good. Iron Flame, I have. I haven't started it yet, but it's good. It feels, has kind of a YA vibe, but the story's really tight and it's very well written. Interesting series. I'm looking forward to book two. How do you feel about fantasy?
1: Not my genre, but I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, that's how I feel typically. That's what I liked about this one, though, was it was a very approachable fantasy that keep the focus kind of tight and kind of gradually bring you into the broader world. So I think this is a good crossover for people who maybe shy away from more high fantasy kind of stuff. Okay.
1: All right, Rebecca Yarros, I see
0: you. Yeah, yeah, keep an eye on her. All right, now's the time. Uh, it's Christmas we both read some books, and I can't wait to hear all about yours. So let's dive in.
2: Sexy new book
0: club. Bo, what is your choice for Christmas book 2023? And I don't know, listeners. I don't know what he picked. I don't know anything about it.
1: So I ended up reading How Aunt Tilly Stole Christmas, wicked witches of the Midwest or short, but I'd never did. I never read that. Right.
0: I don't think so. That's not familiar me to me.
1: Well, I think what it was is that I had come across this book a lot as I was
0: kind of oh, like looking for other there. things. Yeah.
1: And so I I already kind of knew the log line and everything. It was written by Amanda M. Lee. And I looked back at my library from, from my nook um, purchases yeah. in the past. And this one never came up. So only reason I was like really intrigued is because look at that witch.
0: Look at her! Wow, she's got some sass.
1: Right? Yeah. That yeah. Image. Oh, Aunt Tilly stole Christmas, but Aunt Tilly is not that witch, so it's confusing.
0: No. Oh, okay. So who is that witch? Do you eventually figure out who it is, or is there nobody?
1: A stock image of a sexy witch, which pulls
0: oh. readers like me in. Yeah, it worked. It worked on you. Yeah got me they got me. okay all right so i went a little bit in the opposite direction part of the thing with coco whatever it is coco murder and a corpse i can't remember the reason why is because i feel like i've done like the coffee shop murder you know like i've done i did a couple of donut murders i did the apple cider murder i did several cats uh last year was also
1: So that's why i got yeah. confused about We're starting to cross we're, we're crossing into this exactly territory. We, need to, we need to keep a good record of we what need what
0: to, yeah And so one thing that I've never done before, and not even just not even not done in this podcast, never in my life, have I read a Christmas Western. And that's why here I have read Father Goose by Jody Thomas. Ah, uh, terrible name for this book. It, there's one reference, and I'm like, okay, that's why they called it Father Goose, but it's it's not an evocative name, and it's collected in a in a book um, that has a couple other Christmas westerns in it, and the collection is called The Cowboy Who Saved Christmas. That's a much better title than Father Goose.
1: These titles, man. I mean, they need to be more creative because I'm reading how Aunt Tilly stole Christmas. I read a book a few years ago that was like how the witch won Christmas or saved yeah. Christmas christmas it was like they're all the same title at this point so we yeah. are going to start creating a little bit better moving forward
0: i know i know i i feel like your worst title i can't remember what it was called but it was like the 12 slays of christmas or something and there were not 12 slays. there right,
1: weren't right. I there weren't that today when I was looking at my yeah. record and i that. yeah yeah, very misleading a lot of these
0: yeah things. yeah i don't i don't get that at all so Okay, so I settled on this Christmas Western. I've never read Jody Thomas before, but I do like a good Western. You know, I've read quite a few Louis L'Amour's and uh, some William Johnstone's. You know, I like a good Western. And I felt like this one uh, was pretty solid overall. How did you feel about yours just in general?
1: So it's a part of a series, which I think, you know, the the Wicked Witches of the Midwest. I'd be curious to read okay. another book, but I, I just, I, the other thing I did that's different than years past is I this was my first audio for A Christmas Story. Oh, I, I normally This time I was actually listening to somebody recite it, and um, o- overall, this did not impress me.
0: Okay. Sometimes I've found that listening to an audio of, of something that maybe is not the best written thing makes all the uh, little pitfalls of it that much more apparent because you're hearing every word, and you're like, "Ooh." That's rough.
1: It sounds as TV as my mind would have interpreted it, or and, and what it was was there. And I'll get into it when we get into it, but there was like the reader did a good job with with the with the you know the content and everything. But I felt like there was such a bitterness to every single piece of dialogue. Ooh, it was the,
0: that's no good.
1: Bitter sort of like one liner zingers, like. You suck. Basically, every line was just the each character razzed each other to a point where I was like, "This is like hard to listen."
0: To. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let me set the scene for mine. Okay, "Father Goose" by Jody Thomas. It's December eighteen sixty seven, so early December. We've got uh, Trapper Hawkins is our as our lead character. Trapper Hawkins. He's a Civil War vet. He had kind of an unhappy growing up. He His mother died in childbirth. He's the youngest of three sons. Father always blamed him for the mother's death. So not a happy home. He goes off, joins up in the Civil War. While he's gone, his brothers are both killed. He doesn't know where his father is. The family homestead's gone. So after the war, he's basically homeless and got nothing but his own wits to keep him going. So we he rolls into this little Texas town he sees some yankee soldiers who are there and he's worried that they're going to recognize him because he was a confederate spy so danger danger is here okay he's just been wandering around texas he's got three weeks until christmas he rolls into this casino and his plan is to it's not a casino it's like a saloon with a card game going the plan is for him yeah basically to just gamble and win enough money to kind of make it to the next destination. So that's his plan. That's our initial setup where we are. Tell me a little bit about the witch.
1: So the witch, so aunt Tilly, I, I have a feeling the other reason why the story sounded so familiar is because it follows um, the niece of aunt Tilly is Winnie Winchester. Hmm. So it's, it actually takes place in Northern Michigan. Hey, so Early two thousands, uh, uh, right around like the week prior to Christmas. So okay. we're um, in a snowy sort of idyllic town, which I looked up. It's a real it's a real town called Walkerville, Michigan, which on the mitten is kind of up there here sure. near uh, Base of the Pinky,
0: base of the pinky, okay
1: in my on, on my palm. So um it takes place in Walkerville, small town. Uh other areas that we visit are like Bel Air, Michigan, Gaylord, Michigan, which I know, Charlevoix. So I heard all these familiar names. Oh, got
0: okay, sick. okay, that's fun.
1: So basically, um, Tilly is probably a woman in her mid-60s, and she's driving her truck through town um, with her two great uh, grand nieces. So these names, I'm going to butcher them over and over, so get ready. Okay. So there's, um, there's there's Tinsel, Clove, and then this other girl. The other thing about listening to a book on tape as opposed to reading is you don't really uh, know, maybe you can't you know, you can't read it. So yeah. I, I, the, the girl name is either Bay, Faye, or may. Also, I'm very, yeah. one of the three. She's the, she's the youngest and Bay, Fay, may, is actually the one um, uh, driving, so they're actually doing like a driving test. I'm sorry, they're in okay. Aunt Tilly's um, so truck.
0: So are we? Are we all witches? Is Aunt Tilly the witch? Is Bayfe May a witch? What? What Befei is it? name
1: May has some powers. The other two, I'm not quite certain about latent
0: witch powers. Okay.
1: Yeah, so Bayfe May is 15, and she's learning to drive. She's a permit. Okay. Aunt Got it. Is all 15. right car. So they're driving through town and they notice that there's a sort of um, town hall function where all the cars are parked there. They thought, hey, we didn't know about this because they're kind of the outcasts, right?
0: Sure. Witches.
1: They, they're witches. People don't... Yeah, they're witches with a lot of sass. So I can understand uh, okay. why they didn't have all
0: around uh, them. So do you think maybe yeah. they think that they're excluded because of the witchiness, but it's actually just they're kind of awful? They're mean. Yeah, okay. <laughs> they're kind
1: of mean. Okay. Honestly, it's like, it's like, you dumb idiot. Why would you think that? You stupid oh, little wow. freak. The way that oh, they like come at wow. each other, it's like, they're so annoyed with each other. It's like, they hate each other, but it's with a lot of love. You can tell. So it's like, oh, there's a lot sure. of, it's exhausting. Like, turn, yeah. turn left, you stupid brat. Like, pull into that parking lot, you yeah. idiot. Why wouldn't you? Basically, yeah. it's very strange. It's dynamic. So they get into the town hall and, um... Tilly's um, arch nemesis Margaret is leading the meeting, of course, and so there's some sort of rivalry that we're set up to know that Tilly and Margaret are are nemesis nemesai.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, basically, the 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 big the big sort of premise here is that Margaret is making the town aware that uh, a juvenile center in Gaylord had burned down, and the children that were all um, a part of that residential center. Are being displaced through the communities nearby, so there's going to be some delinquents coming to town. Oh, so they're, so they're trying to decide like, are we going to take these kids in or are we not? So they need a vote, sort of of, set, of sorts. I see. I and see. of course, Chili Buggers, and they're like, why wouldn't we bring them in? So that's where we're at. That's the setup. That's sort of where okay. we're heading.
0: Trying to decide what to do with these quote unquote delinquent children. Okay, right. It's the holidays. It's a ho- you got to take them in. That's. That's the whole premise of Annie. You know, you got to take him in. Dump me. Okay, so Trapper is in the saloon, and he's like, I got to win some money. He sits down. He's got enough cash for a good meal. A lady from the kitchen comes, brings him his food. They have a bit of a moment. You know, they kind of like, I see you. I see you. You know, don't think anything of it. Sits Mm -hmm. down to the game. It's going well. He's winning. He's got this one guy, right? This one guy is like, look, man, I'm out of cash, but I'm delivering this load to Dallas, and I will let you continue to deliver this load for me, and you can keep all the money, and you'll be set for life. All you got to do is get this thing to Dallas. So he's basically like, I bet, and if I lose, you can take over my job and this huge payday that's awaiting in Dallas. And so Trapper's like, okay, yeah, whatever, let's do it. So Trapper wins. Turns out that this was a bit of a bait and switch. He's been duped into uh, taking on this cargo. Guess what the cargo is, Bo?
1: Um, it's going to Dallas, so I'm gonna yeah. guess cowboy boots.
0: No, it is five spoiled rich girls.
1: Oh my goodness!
0: Children ranging in age from 13 to 4, uh, and their father is very demanding. They must be home by Christmas, uh, and this is like a big a big deal. Okay so he's gonna get the girls there this is his winnings and the father's gonna pay him a ton of money if he can get them there by christmas he needs to have like a sort of a nursemaid go along with him and he's like well i'm in it now i gotta figure that out okay so he's figuring that out cut back to emory adams who we met earlier as the kitchen gal who brought him his food right. she likes the look a trapper she likes the idea of this adventure that he's on and her family sucks that's what it comes down to the family sucks uh she's been working in the in the saloon since she was twelve. She has no social life. She is just inside all day waiting on saloon customers and that's it. But she's You're been allowed. squirreling away. she's been squirreling away tips, she's been squirreling away money, and she's got some ideas for how she might escape this, right? So she's at the saloon, she's cleaning up for the night, her father doesn't care about her, so she's just gonna stay and take a nice luxurious bath, okay? So she's in the tub, and all of a sudden, she hears some noise out front, and she's like, Oh no, somebody's coming. She goes to get out of the tub, totally soaks her clothes, right? So she can't put on the wet clothes, you know? It's December. So she finds a bag, sort of in the lost and found in the back room of this saloon, things that were left behind. She finds this old beat up leather bag. There's clothes in it, all the clothes fit her. She's never worn nice clothes, she's never looked good in her life. She found these great clothes she also found a wedding ring and some cash so she's like you know what screw this this is my ticket out of here so she takes the bag she gets dressed she puts on the ring she takes the cash, runs out of the saloon passes her father who doesn't even recognize her and he's like good day ma'am and she's off she's doing it this is everything everything has come to this moment and emory's making a run for it
1: so why does she she ran because she heard a noise
0: she heard a noise and she didn't want to like. She didn't want her father to catch her like basically using the saloon for her own comfort rather than just like cleaning it. You know, she's like she's taking a bath. She's usually she's usually in guest rooms, guest towels, that kind of thing. Oh, gotcha. So she doesn't want to get in trouble. But then when she's in the clothes and the dad doesn't recognize her, she's like,
1: "I'm free.
0: This is my big break. I'm gonna go." Yeah. So she takes strange off into the strange night.
1: Strange yep. thought process. Yep. Memory. Yep. Okay. okay, so we're at the meeting and then we have sort of that moment where Margaret's like, okay, well, we I think they they didn't let Tilly know about this meeting because they knew that Tilly has influence and she's a sassafras, nobody wants her around but also like, Margaret's very clear on her stance that she does not want outside like what she supposes again as Nick did in quotations delinquent children yes. in their town. So there's some trouble there, right? Um, so then eventually Tilly kind of gets in her soapbox and she said exactly what you said Nick it's christmas of course we're going to help these children like without a doubt and it kind of what you would you know, kind of encouraging. You notice that an overwhelming amount of the families kind of felt the same way. Of course, yeah, you're right, Tilly. Like, it almost seemed like she kind of brought, like, they weren't even considering that it's Christmas. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah it is. let's do, yeah, that's right, we should do this. It's like they didn't even <laughs> didn't even dawn on them what time of year right. it was, even. Though it was, yeah, like I did Christmas town, so it's like, okay, people, you could have come to that conclusion on your own. Yeah, but, yeah her 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 social magic and got everyone on board. Okay, we're going to, okay. you know, we're all going to help this, you know, everyone's going to get a kid. So, mm-hmm. we cut to um going back to um the car. We run into another character, uh, uh Officer Terry. Officer Terry is the girl's, the young girls, the three of them, you know, t- um uh Tinsel, Clove, Bayfe May's mom's boyfriend.
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs>
1: Officer Terry's part of the family, and we kind of find out that through this interaction, you know, of course Tilly and Officer Terry have like a, a combative relationship. Oh, y'all so-and-so, y'all son of a gun, and because, like, you know, Tilly razzes everybody, he razzes her back. But you kind of learn through this interaction that he has an affinity to Befei May, mm-hmm. and he is uh, like kind of she's the favorite or whatever so you know he kind of makes a promise well i'm going to teach you how to drive because the other two can't drive you suck basically like why is everyone so mean to everybody they're mean they
0: are mean yeah
1: so now we kind of learned the relationship between the officer and um these these witchy women right so there's sort of like favoritism there with um, with with some with some influence i feel like having an officer on your side is it, it bodes well for the family so they've got some 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 that endorsement like
0: some yeah so. okay taking the kids that's it's settled we're gonna do yeah. it all right speaking of taking kids uh trapper over here is figuring out a little bit more about the cargo that he's got so they're the daughters of colonel gunter chapman he is a he's a taskmaster he is a very important man and he expects his daughter's home for christmas Uh, So Trapper takes the rest of his winnings. He gets some winter clothes. He gets blankets and things for the journey. He gets everything set. He goes down to the dock, and a woman is bringing the children. Her relationship to the children, I don't know, teacher, nurse, uh, aunt, I have no idea. But she's got the kids. Uh, And they all get off the dock in their fancy little winter outfits. Gosh, they look just like goslings, and I guess that makes Trapper Father Goose. Here's Uh our title. There's but but right away we have a problem because part of the arrangement was that Trapper has to have like a nursemaid with him he can't just take the girls by himself and the woman who's in charge of them is like hey man, I'm not letting you take them unless you, This part of the deal so you gotta find it so we got a problem, but who should appear just at this moment but Emery the kitchen gal and she is, yeah, she's dressed she's ready, she kind of sees what's going on trapper approaches her and he's like hey hey, hey hey, i gotta take these girls but i need a nurse and so if you need it right out of here pretend to be the nurse and we'll get out of here together and emory's like sold i'm in i yeah i want to do it i want to do it so they're on board and we meet the girls uh catherine claire is 13 anna jane is 11 elizabeth rose is 10 helen wren is 5 sophia may is 4 but that's too much to remember so trapper's just going to refer to them by their number in age order so the oldest is number one the youngest is number five and that's how he refers to them the rest of the time very captain von trapp
1: do you remember when i did the wizard of oz national tour i saw it we we were assigned local children as our munchkins or whatever and each ensemble member was was assigned a certain kid to like lead on stage Uh, and to like for the bows and my friend Kyle uh, was always assigned number seven and we would always do a great job of like getting to know our kids and stuff and stuff. And he would just go into like the holding room to go seven, let's go. Seven. <laughs> <laughs> he would never learn their name. He goes seven. Yeah. But he was really, really nice with the kid. It was, the yeah, name. he sounds,
0: he sounds great. Uh, I Good. saw that at a big theater in Rochester when you were in that, and I was just back to that theater for the first time to see Bob Dylan. So oh, it was, right. yeah it was fun you weren't there but uh, it was still it was still fun so anyway trappers gonna call them by their name they bond pretty quickly everybody's excited about christmas and getting home in time for christmas um one is old she wants to drive the girls are the older girls are pretty sturdy as far as like their father has insisted they have these skills and everything so they're pretty good number four is obsessed with collecting rocks so she keeps putting rocks in the wagon they all have to pee so they make a little stop um, and M is so appreciative that she gives Trapper a little little kiss on the cheek. Uh, and that um, that gets some wheels turning. And we'll pause woman. for now.
1: A married woman's got that right.
0: Yeah, she's a widow. Widow. She's pretending to be a widow.
1: Oh, okay. Gotcha. She's Good, catch. The red. Good
0: catch. Good okay. catch. She is pretending to be a widow.
1: Okay. So, so in Walkerville, after we met Officer Terry, we go back to the house to Winnie. Winnie Winchester is the the niece, who I feel like is probably a bigger presence in some of the other stories of the um, Wicked Witch of the Midwest series. Okay. okay. So that's kind of, you learn that Winnie was raised by Aunt Tilly, and Winnie has two sisters. So we're dealing with a lot of triplets here. We got three grandnieces, we got three nieces, and then lo and behold, Aunt Tilly breaks the news to Winnie that we're getting three boys from oh. the juvenile center. Okay. So when I mean, he's like, What have you gotten up to this time, you stupid idiot? You know, like they're just like razzing <laughs> each other over. It. Like Jeez. so sassy. Like nobody can oh love you, you. It's like always like loaded with oh yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah I love you. <laughs> you no, know, it's like it's, 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 I mean, it was, it's like, like, like the honeymooners. You know, like, yeah. You're
0: watching the honeymooners.
1: Exactly. And like, you know, listening to that person uh like dictate it, like they were putting sass in their voices. Like, this is like being at like a family function. <laughs> it's all I was like, maybe that's how Michiganders actually are. They are really yeah, sarcastic.
0: Maybe. Oh, was, maybe. Really
1: anyway, so we learn that they're gonna get three um, young boys brothers from the center. And so the next couple of days they um, arrive by a social worker and we meet David, Michael, and Andrew. And you kind of they, they intimate that they are um, three uh, black young men and that's not the standard demographic in this town of Blockerville. I see, I see. It's, become, it's becoming a bit of a, a loaded of a, a... That's another element of Margaret's, perhaps, perception. Mm. Of okay. The, so what I found interesting about this book, as I'm reading, that's like, I work for an organization, Start Commonwealth, which uh, works with at-risk youth and also has, like, a residential treatment center for at-risk youth. So I was, like, I was very... um interested in sort of that like kind of world that I work in and then reading about like social services and stuff. But then
0: was that, was that just a coincidence or is that why you picked this?
1: No, it was all a coincidence. Like, oh, okay. Not only in Michigan, but it also kind of deals with like, right. Things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Things. So
1: you meet these three kids and they come into the house and of course they're a little skeptical of like the situation they're in. Cause they've been passed around a bit in the system, the foster home and they're not, you know, super comfortable being acclimated, but Aunt Tilly is determined to get them integrated into the family and make them mm. feel comfortable, and make sure that they have the best Christmas ever. Yeah. And so over the time, we start to learn, we start to find that they're um, they're really connecting with Officer Terry, who's the man of the house, and he's determined, yeah, to sure that um, you know these kids have a good time. So they're making like model planes in the year two thousand. I'm like, let them play video games, you know. <laughs> Like old school activities to try and like, you know, give them something to do. And after a while right. found out that, um, the, uh, uh, the kids like basketball, like all these other activities. So that, so officer Terry is, you know, really stepping up and, and, and helping these kids out. So meanwhile, um, in the middle of the night, somehow inexplicably, um, Winnie or, uh, aunt Tilly gets woken up and um, one of the grand nieces—I can't remember which one—it's either Tinsel, Clove, or Bayfay May. Let Winnie know. <laughs> it has been tragedy in the town of Walkerville. Yeah. Lo and behold, the house has burnt down.
0: Oh my so gosh! That's...
1: So all of a sudden, a house in their hometown has burnt to the ground.
0: You know, it's probably probably these delinquents.
1: Well, I don't know.
0: Okay. Is all funny? right. Okay, well, back on the old trail here on the ride to uh, Dallas, Emery's feeling pretty, she's cautiously optimistic. She's feeling good. She's worried that her father's going to track her down. She's worried that Trapper's going to realize that she's just a lady from the kitchen and she's not, you know, some well to do widow. So she's a little worried about that, but overall, she's feeling pretty good. Um, trapper's kind of testing the girls and seeing, like, who's capable of what. Number three, who's the middle girl, is riding the horse by herself. And, like, he's, you know, it's going pretty well. He's trusting them a little bit more. They stop to fish and eat. Everything's good. But we're two weeks into this journey now. And the closer we get to Dallas, the more it's getting cold. We're getting some snow coming in. Um, Trapper and Emery are kind of bonding a little bit. He mentions, hey, you know, you gave me a kiss before and that was fine. And so she gives him another little kiss on the cheek and some stuff's going on. Uh, The storm hits. Uh, So rain is coming down, a little bit of snow. They work together to uh, find shelter under some trees. Um, but Emery uh, takes off the fancy dress because, remember, she stole these clothes, the only clothes that she has, okay? So she's in, you know, like, cowboy underwear, so, like, you know, long bloomers and, you know. But she gets caught in the rain, and Trapper notices, and he's like, ooh, this is this is the prettiest woman I've ever seen, and, oh, this is so scandalized, but I can't look away.
1: woman, so, woman in this wagon?
0: Yeah, so they... <laughs> So they have kind of a moment there, uh, and you know they get, they get the wagon unstuck, they get under these trees, they meet another young couple who's there, another family traveling uh, on this path, and so they're all kind of like harboring under these trees, and they share some meals, and it's fine. Now, I thought that something was going to happen with this family, right? I thought this family is villainous, so they're going to help them in some way. Not really. Just passing some time. Yeah. They they go out of their way to mention that they have a teenage son named Timothy. I thought that was gonna matter. I thought maybe number one, the oldest girl and Timothy were gonna have a thing. Totally immaterial to the plot of the story. Just even nice, with them. Yeah, just a nice little Christmas, like they're two passing, so it's fine. Um now Emory is after the whole like he sees her in her cowboy underwear, it gets a little Nervous, and uh, she's she's worried that this is going to kind of expose her, and and he is starting to get suspicious. Why does she only have one set of clothes? Like, why is she traveling like this herself? She was really weird about her seeing him, and she's she's certainly never seen a naked man. And he's like, well, but you're a widow, so that doesn't make sense. So he's poking some holes in the story here, and he's wondering what's going on. Um, they have another meal, but he's like, we really got to move. I got to get these girls home by Christmas, okay? So they go off to take a bath uh, in this river before they move on while the sun is still shining. But Trapper sees some men coming, and he's like, oh, crap, we got to hide. We got to hide. So he hides... He, they pass, and he's like, definitely these are not just travelers. like They're looking for something. They must be looking for us. So Trapper is on high alert. But the girls kind of see what's going on, and they're going for the guns. And he learns that the older girls can shoot. So the 13-year-old, the 11-year-old, numbers one and two, are good with a with a shotgun, and that could be helpful. So they settle in for the night, and Emery and Trapper kind of clear up what's what's going on between them. Uh, she goes to kiss him on the cheek, but he turns, and it's a full lip kiss, and we get a little bit of an old-fashioned cowboy makeout out uh, under the stars that night. So Emery and Trapper, uh, both sort of clumsy. Neither one have had a relationship before, and so we get a clumsy makeout out sesh uh, under the uh, December skies of, of uh, South Texas.
1: Speaking of December skies, so <laughs> we're back in Walkerville, and um you know, obviously that fire happened and the optics are there, right? You said it yourself. Sure. You intimated. Well, of course it's a delinquent. So until he's like, I don't buy it. And I'm not going to bother these children with this information. I'm not going to pry and find out how that prior fire happened. Instead, I'm going to ask them about their lives. And so she starts to learn a little bit more about their, their lives and where they came from. Their mother died and their um, father is more or less just a beat you know deadbeat uh, doesn't want them so they were they they had a bit of a relationship with their uncle so she's like okay well that's some information i got there so basically tilly's like i'm going to ignore this fire in the town and i'm going to go find out about this uncle so she gets the girls she gets fefe may uh clove and tinsel into the truck and they're <laughs> heading up to like the next yeah. town which has like the the social services so they're trying to figure out sort of what they can do to get this, get these kids kind of like reunited with their um, uncle. And this lady is just like, she's not helping at all. She's like, she's like, you think that we want, she's like, she's like, why do you think we can help just these three kids? There are, there are 500 kids in this County that are displaced. Why are we going to give these kids special attention? That's not how the system works. So they kind of go mm-hmm. into like social service systems and how it's just not possible. It's like, not, you can't okay, play. Favorites. Okay you thought until he was s- sassy before she is like letting um have turn so up basically turn
0: up that sass yeah
1: finally they decide to use their magic powers finally and so somehow i think it's Mei or something like that she has a way of like sneaking in like an invisibility say sense and going behind the counter and getting the uncle's file they actually like obtain oh obtained... okay now we have his, his contact information yeah let's go so they had a, they 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 book it out there, and they're trying to. Um, the, the next step is to actually go to the uncle and appeal and figure out like what happened. Why aren't you the guardian of these kids? Okay. Okay. So again, the fire is not a huge factor playing into this. Yeah, like, really, is
0: Christmas a huge factor into this? I haven't heard a lot of Christmas. They, they
1: want to make sure that the kids have um uh their the kids have their uncle as a primary guardian on Christmas day.
0: On Christmas, okay, okay.
1: <laughs> gift on top of like hundreds of presents that they ended up buying and putting
0: on
1: this trip So these are busy gals about town they're shopping and they're trying to find out the you know the personal life of this potential guardian so they've got a miss. so the next step is to go find the uncle
0: all right so we got about nine days left on this trip this is what trapper is estimating nine days to dallas that should get us there by christmas everything's good They stop at a trading post, but Emma's really nervous about stopping here because, again, her dad's probably looking for her. She doesn't want the attention. They got to lay low. Then we did this whole thing about number three. The middle girl has cut her hair really short, and she doesn't want to wear a dress. She wants to wear like Levi's and a, a work shirt, and there's a whole, like, well, I don't know if your father will like that, and she had been confused for a boy in a dress, and she just wants to dress how she feels. I thought this was going to be a thing. I thought they were doing something with this. There was going to be some like reckoning with the father. It goes nowhere. So, do with that what you will. Uh, they get a new bonnet for number five. They get a, a leather rock bag for uh, the one who's collecting the rocks. They get new riding gloves for the oldest one. So it's going nice. We're having a nice little. It's kind of like Christmas gifts. Um, we have a little bit more kissing, and uh, they're pretty hot for each other by this point. They are pretty. They're hot to trot, and I don't mean the horses. Uh, We get some new horses, though. We get some new clothes, and we're ready to go. Making good progress, but Trapper's still worried about that gang that he saw driving through. Like, he knows that they're looking for somebody, and they've got this, you know, potentially, you know, some money to be made here. So he's really nervous about it. Snow is coming down hard. So they find this ravine, and they set up camp. And it's too cold for Trapper to sleep outside of the wagon. So he better sleep inside with them. So the girls all fall asleep. But Emery and Trapper are awake, and it gets PG-13, I'm going to say. I mean, some PG-13 sloppy action. Cowboy. Sloppy cowboy kissing. Yes, yeah, sloppy cowboy kissing. Some sloppy cowboy fondling. Uh, it's escalating. Uh, so the next morning, Trapper's like, well, I better go you know, see what's going on, see what's around here. So he's walking along. He's a, he's a pretty good distance from the wagon by this point, And he gets jumped, uh, and he's out cold. So he wakes up. He's tied up. They're like, "Where's the wagon? Where's the party you're traveling with?" And he's kind of led them astray, right? Turns out they want the girls for ransom, and they're like, "Listen, man, you know, we'll let you go. We just want to ransom these girls. Just tell us where they are. You know, we'll give you a cut. You can get out of here. Um he's not going to do it, obviously. and he's he's got to fight these guys. he's He's decided that's what's going to happen. Well, back at the wagon, Emery's woken up, Trapper's gone, something weird is going on. Midnight, the horse that Trapper had has come back, but he's injured, he's got a rope lead around his neck, and the girls are like, no way, Trapper would never do this to this horse. So something is wrong. So it's decided that Emily Emery is going to stay with the little girls, and the older girls are going to pack some heat, and they're going to go rescue Trapper.
1: <laughs> go, girls, go. Go, go. So... We're driving up north. We're we're going even more northern Michigan, heading up to the Charlevoix area, which is north of Gaylord, where that center was. I've spent
0: some time in Charlevoix, yeah.
1: Beautiful. So the the uncle lives there, and they knock on his door and are basically like, let's cut to the chase, okay? We got your nephews. Why don't you want them? And he's like, it's not like that. Like, I wanted the kids. But my brother, who's a deadbeat, is out in Vegas as a dealer. He's an alcoholic. He no. has to sign off on me being the guardian, and he won't sign the papers.
0: Uh-oh. So it's
1: like, like they have to. Have, there has to be some sort of like legitimate, you know, handoff and like paperwork file. and it's like it's not happening. So it's like, oh my god. Okay, well these kids love you. They want to be with you. You want to be with them. Like we got to make this happen. So then Aunt Tilly remembers. Oh, duh. Like I'm friends with the lawyer, or not the lawyer. Sorry, not even the lawyer. Not not my lawyer. Not my my ten year junior lawyer. No, no, not him. <laughs> Lawyer on the brain. No, the judge, of course. There you go. So, there you go. But back, she cuts back to a memory of like when she obtained her nieces legally. It's like, oh, yeah, he helped me get my nieces, so
0: okay. he'll help me. Okay. Get
1: you know? So naturally, it's like, okay, well, okay, we can get the lawyer, but we can get the judge to, 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 to do the paperwork, but we still have to get the dad to sign yeah. off. Like That has to be a step. So... Basically, what happens is we, we have the conflict of getting the, the data signed the paper, but we also have that 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 fire that burned down. So as we're right. driving, you know, burned down that house. So as we're driving down Main Street again from Charlevoix to go back home, there's more cars in the parking lot.
0: Oh.
1: Meeting that we weren't told about. Turn left, you stupid idiot. Erk. You know, <laughs> we, get, we get parking <laughs> over the curb this time. Yeah, and, you know, of course. Gary's like... I was like I didn't know there was a meeting. You can't have a meeting apparently in this town without letting everybody know. And yeah. Apparently. Is- yeah. Who do you think is leading this meeting? Margaret, okay. the nemesis. So basically what it's coming down to is there's a, a house that burned down. So yeah. who do you think did it? Margaret's trying to get the town to get rid of all these with kids because they're burning down wow. the houses. Sure. But wait. Officer Terry steps up. He says, uh, hold, up, hold up, hold up, what's this you said about the kids burning down the house? Well, the kids that burnt down their detention center are burning down houses in town. No, 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 that was an electric, an electrical fire. I have the paper right here. Oh. Foul play. It was from, there was no expedient use. This was electrical fire. And so then Tilly says, oh, that's interesting. Why did you think these kids burnt down the house? Is it because you're racist? Margaret. Oh. Oh, I know there's a lot of like things in this book where I'm like, wow. like white here all over it. And so now <laughs> Tilly Margaret as a racist. And she's like, is that what you need? Is it, do you need this blast in the news that we are a racist town? Da, da, da. And so basically Margaret's like, all right, we'll let it go. So mm-hmm. the fire thing, that's all resolved. Margaret's put it bay. Tilly did it again. She, she, <laughs> she saved the day again because she's the well-meaning witch with a lot of sass white oh
0: savior her it's terrible nice. attitude finally went out
1: so yeah. now we got that taken care of so now that the kids can stay in town one oh, battle right. down now we got to get the dad to sign the paper
0: right okay so uh trapper is trapped he's tied up right and he's sort of like well, okay well maybe i will come with you let's talk he's just buying time you know blah 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 he sees the girls coming and then he realizes oh i can signal them with their numbers right so he's like, "All right, if you want me to join join the gang, I've got <laughs> I've got three rules that you have to follow, wow. and I can't can't remember what they are." But he's like, "Number one, do this. Number two, do this. Number three, do this." Well, shots ring out. The girls fire when they're called. Uh, the guys guarding Trapper go down. Nobody's killed. It's just you know, it's flesh wounds. You know, it's grazes. People are fine. Okay. So it turns out the girls come in and they untie him, and they're like, "Oh my gosh." This is the foreman from my father's ranch. Like, we know him. Foreman's out for some cash. He's going to ransom these girls. He knew they were coming. He knew where they were coming from. So this is like a whole thing. This is like a sting operation, right? So back at the wagon, we've got going in. And this has been a recurring thing that the girls have to go to the bathroom. The girls have to go to the bathroom. So finally, he buys a chamber pot at that trading post, right? So the little girls in Emery are in this wagon. Well, the guys start converging on them. Remember how number four has been collecting rocks this whole time? We start just hoofing rocks, hoofing rocks at these guys, right? And the other one takes this chamber pot that they needed, cracks one over the head with it. So he's covered in chamber pot uh drippings. And (laughs) I apologize for the choice of the word dripping, but uh but they're both down. So now they're like, well, we these these guys need to come to justice. So they tie them up and they pack them in the wagon and they make their way the rest of the way to the Chapman farm. So they get to Chapman land. Now they're on the father's land, but they're still two days away from the house. So Trapper is in bad shape. He's got broken ribs. He's got several injuries. And a party comes out to meet them. And the girls are like, wait, it's us. It's us. Take us back to the farm. So they get back to the homestead, and it's Christmas Eve, baby. They've done it. They made it on time. They made it on time. So the father's kind of like, great, my girls are here. And they're like, no, 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 we're not coming in. We're not doing you take care of trapper you take care of midnight the horse you take care of emory like it's that father's very impressed that the girls are standing up to him and being tough because that's what he wanted and so he's going to take care of uh the the help as well
1: oh my goodness so is that the end of it
0: no you got a little more
1: okay wow okay so a good lesson there you know use the chamber pot Mm mm-hmm So we're going to have to figure out a way. How are we going to get to that dad? Right. He's in Vegas. He's an uncle. They have to get the dad to sign the paperwork so we can get this all. Okay.
0: Okay. I'm with you. Okay. We
1: need to get the dad to sign the paperwork so the uncle can be the primary guardian. The
0: uncle. Got it. Okay. I'm with you.
1: Yeah. It's Christmas Eve. So, so basically they remember, oh my God, we're witches. (gasps) So they're like, why don't Finally. we just do a ghost spell where we we? So they they conjure up this, this this concept that we're gonna get the the dead mom to come haunt her husband in Vegas. And oh my we're gosh, kind of Uma Sara esque, right? And right. Kind of, say like, kind of convince it. <laughs> it's Grandma Tito. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wait. We have the, the. We have this. This this con this concocted plan where we're gonna get the because they can create we can they can see ghosts but they have to like work their magic so a human can see a ghost so they're gonna have okay. the mom scare the dad into signing the paperwork over. Okay. So all of a sudden, and then it cuts to the next paragraph. Two hours later, we come out laughing. Ah, oh, wish did you see the part where she slapped him in the face? So oh. basically, they don't show it actually happening; they just talk about oh. it.
0: The
1: paragraph. So okay. Son. he signed the paperwork so now they can go to the judge and say we have yeah. everything ready and that judge when she knocks on the door of course remembers Aunt Tilly has yeah. a semi to her but is still a bit of a, a stickler a bit, a bit prickly right so they have nothing but card, cold hard facts they have signed paperwork can this get done tonight it's Christmas tonight Eve, but it's why. Christmas Eve come on you have to do this for us and he just cannot resist Fei Fei Mei and her sweet face. That is always mm-hmm. that's always the, the yeah. secret weapon. Yeah. So they need no magic. They just need to see like, you know, three sweet faces and you know sour aunt Tilly. Yeah. Basically like ribbing him until She said, if you don't do this for me, I'm going to make a scene in your your front lawn. And he's like, whoa, 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 say no more. If people see that I'm talking to you in my lawn, there's going to be hell to pay. Where do I sign, basically? Right. So we get the judge very, very easily. She has, you know, convinced him to sign over this, uh, to sign the final documents, which he says will take a while. And she said, ah, man, come on. We got cookies in the oven. I can do it in five minutes. So in five minutes, they get. One want you to burn your cookies, so he sends them on their way with all the signed paperwork. It's official. David, Michael, and Andrew will get to live with their uncle.
0: Oh, so the only magical part of this happens off screen. Yeah. Oh.
1: Much like okay. the buildup and disappointment that you found with all these, you know, tertiary characters coming in. Yeah. The payoff was very was very little. So there was like, the only magic. And except for the very last moment, which I'll wrap it up in a very silly okay. little way that you wrap up yours. Okay. But.
0: All right. So here's the end. Everybody is at the Chapman homestead. Everybody's clean and rested. Trapper's wounds have been taken care of because he had some broken ribs. He's resting. Emory sneaks in, climbs in bed with him, and says, Hey, I'm not a widow. I was the kitchen lady. I ran away from my father. I stole these clothes. Trapper doesn't care. He loves her just how she is. You know, they wanna he wants Fire to be with her.
1: On An artists and
0: all. Doesn't matter. Yep, he's fine with it. He's totally fine with it. So it's Christmas, and the colonel has a proposition for Trapper. He's like, look, I'm out of foreman. You know, you've been great for my daughters. They stood up with me. I want to hire you. Like, I'll give you the money for bringing them here, but I want you to stay on. Take the foreman's old house. You know, work with the horses, work with the land, teach the girls, please stay. Trapper's like, look, man, if Emery will marry me and stay with me, I'll do it. He's like, well, okay, I guess there's only one thing left to do. So under the Christmas candles and the sparkle of the garland, Trapper brings Emery out. She proposes, tells him the plan. Emery's in. The whole gang gets to stay together. Now, you know, Trapper and Emery Emery are going to be living in the store. They're going to be working with the girls. They're going to stay on the farm. And uh, the youngest girl, number five, sees all this happening. And she says, look, one Trapper got what he wanted for Christmas. The end.
1: A house next to these, the one, yeah. one through ten. Yeah, and, now,
0: and then he gets to marry <laughs> the lady. Now it was a never a conversation movie. what Trapper wanted for Christmas, but I guess right. she's just assuming. Yeah. She's, yeah.
1: she's intuitive. She knew deep down. Yep.
0: And that's why it's called Father Goose.
1: <laughs> his, little, his, little, his little geese. Yeah. Is... yeah. So there's, uh, yeah. Okay. 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 Wait remind me of the gosling thing again there was a reference to gosling
0: when they first got off the boat where he picked them up they were in their little like you know sort of like white sailor outfit kind of uh winter clothes and he says well they look like a bunch of goslings i guess that makes me father goose that's it
1: so he's co-parenting with this 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 man interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and it's his con artist wife yeah
1: <laughs> we got these criminals living next to us kids i know interesting okay so, um, conversely, in Walkerville, it's Christmas morning at Winnie Winchester's house. And um, the uh, kids all wake up. They open their presents. The the young The young gentlemen get a ton of gifts, you know, which they're not used to. They're very happy. And then the, a door, there's a, a, a knock on the door, and they say, is it time for us to leave? Like, And when, I know no. we have to go back. We have to go to a new center or a new home, displaced, all that. And they say, "Why don't you answer the door and find out?" <laughs> and so the, the kids answer the door. It's their uncle, and the uncle oh. is there to basically claim them and say, "Declare, you know, your deadbeat dad did sign over the paperwork. I want you." You know, it's like very much like it's it's just always yeah. a, it's just a strange feeling that these kids are the collateral yeah. of both of us. Right. Story. It's, <laughs> it's true. true. It's, it's true. Crazy to be these are the gifts and everything so
0: yeah
1: and so you know they're like okay well when do we get to leave basically like get us, get us out of this we're gonna have yeah like stay for dinner you know like they they plan you know they they want to basically It's like these white ladies want us to stay for dinner we gotta do it <laughs> <laughs> so, all right let's have dinner and then she's like you know what let's have some fun at the end of the night and they're like oh what does that mean and the strangest end, it's like somehow they're going to conjure up magic or something like that. They're going to make this happen. But the way that they kind of declare it to the kids is very strange. When he's like, let's go over to Margaret's house. And they're like, to do what? She's like, I've heard of yellow snow. <laughs>
0: what? <laughs> Boy, they're going to piss all over. <laughs> 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 that's, that's the come up wow. What a Christmas. What a Christmas Come on,
1: everybody. We got a lot of we got a lot Let's of go.
0: players. Let's everybody drink up because we're gonna go pee on Margaret's lawn Oh my gosh. But with magic. But with yeah, with magic. I, yeah, of course with magic, sure. Wow. Okay. Now I feel pretty positive about mine. I it's me every step of the way, but I feel it's a novella. You know, it's probably 150. I feel like a lot of plot is packed in there. And, like, I did kind of care about them getting together. And I, I was like, well, how's it going to work? Because, you know, you kind of want him to stay with the kids. But they their father's waiting for them, you know. So I felt yeah. like the way they kind of made it all very tidy. But I was also like, great. Everybody's happy. Perfect. That's what I want.
1: Right. Yeah, you know you knew that they were going to get there. but yeah. I
0: mean, but I wasn't quite sure how, you know.
1: I like The obstacles that you experienced, but you did say there were some uh, some letdowns with some some characters that could have come in to actually cause exactly some- yeah.
0: Well, there were just there were some things like she kept saying, "Oh, I think my father's chasing," and nothing came of that. Like the, nothing happens up. with her family. She's yeah. just so. I guess that was just a red herring. I don't know. And then in the end, they all get together and they go to that old foreman's house and they pee in the snow. No. <laughs> that be- that you ever heard happen. of Yellow Snow? <laughs> that would be quite a coincidence if uh, if that happened. But no, I think overall uh, pretty satisfying Christmas Western. Um, I feel pretty good about it. I think uh, I win.
1: Well, I'm glad that you had a good experience with your Western book, My Midwestern yeah. Witch Series. It's just a little elementary to me. And like yeah. I said, there's a certain sort of sarcasm that came out in it that just felt a little too snippy. Like I would have liked Antility to have some redeeming qualities other yeah. than yeah. I think it's problematic, a, a bit of a white savior complex. It just seems a yeah, little bit kind of, like. It does kind yeah, of sound it, like was, that. it was giving a message that I just felt like was not, it was like,
0: it just it's, wasn't. Uh, was all very- it's bold and maybe a bit misguided to introduce the concept of, of racial prejudice in this like Christmas short story that's not about that, you know?
1: Yeah, I think so. It was especially to have that like, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, blast you as like a racist community. And it's gonna be covered nationwide. It's like, right, like why right. are you using that as the yeah. scapegoat? You could have gotten so much more creative the like, way yeah. to, like, the fires would have been started by Margaret or something like that, yeah. and just, just in a, And she should have learned a lesson at the end, not to fear people that are different than you. She right. should have been, I'm gonna piss in your lawn.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> and all
0: that. I think I you like, already. It's like they felt like they needed have another reason to be skeptical of these kids so they were like you know what let's let's pepper in some racism the fact that they were like kids from juvie was probably enough like you didn't need to add the extra like this specter of racism it's just like very weird for such a short book
1: yeah. it's like we got it you went there and then they went even further with it yeah, it like, oh, we'll drive it yeah. it's like private to an office yeah became something that- too. It was very strange, but I, I didn't check to see when it was written, but they, they, they like I said, they, they kind of mentioned early 2000s, so I need to check back on that. But yeah, I mean, overall, I wanted to learn more about Aunt Tilly. She was just yeah. too sad. Kind of a different.
0: A different you can read the whole, I, I'll never get over that one you read about the witch that was more about ghosts and there was like... A, a, a bear living in their basement or something. That one well, seems- all these
1: witches have ghosts along with yeah. them. I'm nervous. Yeah, That's some sort of theme in these cozy books. I think you know. Next year, I don't know where I'm, where I'm going to go with it, but I would get back to maybe like the sort of like. The real murder mysteries; those are always fun.
0: I think you gotta get away from the supernatural. It's it hasn't worked out. for
1: I you. know this was honestly this was like a panic choice. Like okay. I, I, I like I liked the sexy witch on the title, like the Antilly thing. There was the right length. It was it was an it was a wild ride the, the last few days. I'll so tell
0: you that So, does the sexy witch have like who is the sexy witch on the cover? We don't know. I think it's just the
1: image that they're always thrown on the title. <laughs> or on the cover to draw people in. The the sexy okay. witch might have been Winnie, like the, the, the niece okay. that's not much okay. spoil in this, okay. and more of she's more of like um like a constant in the house. She's always there, where are you all sneaking off to? You know. Okay. I think she's a sexy witch, but Aunt Tilly, it's intimated that she's not very attractive. They call her ugly a lot. Okay. So. so definitely
0: not her. Definitely no, not on the true. cover. Okay. I don't but think so because
1: out. they they're like, they'll always attack your looks in this book. Okay. They'll go for, right. they'll go for this low hanging fruit. Hmm. Nobody's safe. Just well,
0: uh, I think we learned a lot about Christmas and about ourselves tonight. Always fun to talk to you. I uh, Can't wait to see what we're going to read next Christmas. I assume you're down for a Pride Month book club in June? Always. You know what? Maybe we could pull Double Duty and read less.
1: Oh. oh. I'm, just, I'm just saying, you
0: know what I mean? Two birds.
1: Meet me, me where I'm at, please, with these books. Exactly. And that
0: exactly. I appreciate you having
1: me uh, back each year for these these chats. I love it.
0: Absolutely. The fans demand it. And I do expect to be updated on the progress with the young lawyer and the book club. Uh whether on mic or off, but I do need okay. to know. Might be off conversation, but um Okay. For our Patreon subscribers, they can they can go and yeah. listen to the <laughs> yeah. We're all fun out there. Yeah, that's right. All of my fans. Yeah, that's who it's for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, just be sure not to yellow snow. I'll watch out for that. And if you ever are in a position where you're gambling and the pot includes a potential for money where you have to deliver a package, just be aware that it might be five children. You know, just be careful. got yeah, my hand's full with just me, so... Yeah, I fold. I fold is what you say in that situation. Yeah, thank you. All right. Well, Merry Christmas.
1: Happy birthday, my friend. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you and to all. A
0: good night.